Hello, my name is Alexandra Bitton-Bailey. I'm the host of the Beyond the Podium podcast series at the University of Florida, where we laugh a little and learn a lot. The UF podcast series is on teaching and learning, and today's is on first day of class strategies. Guests will offer their very best tips, strategies, innovations, and stories about teaching with a little bit of humor. Today's guests will share their start of semesters, how they can be both exciting and slightly terrifying at the same time. As a matter of fact, I know I've always harbored some very real worst-case scenario teaching nightmares. I also know that all of us have had a first day or in some cases a first week filled with mishaps and challenges. Most of us have never shared these experiences with another soul, just like Jillian Lord, Chair of Spanish and Portuguese here at the University of Florida. I haven't told many people out of when I was it was when I was in graduate school, it was maybe my second or third semester teaching. I still get a little apprehensive before the start of the semester, but those first couple years I was terrified. And so I would go, you know, walk from my apartment to the classroom that I was scheduled to be in and make sure how long it took and like see where the blackboard was and all, you know, so I I had everything planned out. I walked into the class. I forget, I wrote my name, something on the board, and I just went off in Spanish talking to them. And, you know, in in a beginning language class, you get a lot of blank stares anyway, especially if you're in a foreign language. I just kept going. They're all just kind of looking at me. And then the older gentleman walks in and it ended up being a religion class. It was, you know, you have the nightmare of like showing up to class in your underwear or naked. Or, that was my nightmare. That was it. I mean, and so like, I am so neurotic now about making sure I'll check eight times before the class. This is where it is. This is where, and I'll walk in. And I'll be like, this is Spanish, right? And they're like, yeah. Such misadventures inevitably make us feel deeply embarrassed, even unqualified. But they're just part of the experience of learning to teach. And it's important to remember that they are just that, part of the experience of learning as instructors, as Melissa Johnson explains. You're not going to get it right, and that's okay. (laughs) It's not going to go perfectly, and that's okay. Um, Go in, put your best foot forward. You will make it. You will always have another chance. (laughs) You can't really screw anybody up. (laughs) No one's going to die because of this class, so it will be okay. I I think that's a a big thing is is we tend to be perfectionists just like our students do. And being able to give yourself that grace to step back and say, all right, it's it's not perfect. And that's okay. Nobody died. (laughs) It's it's all right. (laughs) So what does a great first day look like? Not necessarily what you would imagine. It does not mean that every gadget works and every plan comes to fruition perfectly. Nope, it simply means that we as instructors provide a positive experience for our students. Albie Hanna's special assistant to the vice president of student affairs shares some thoughts on what a positive first day of class might feel like. If I were to try to recall the good first class experiences that resonated for me, is more of a feeling um, and not necessarily it was this teacher or this class. It was, it was those class, it was those classes that when you walked in the door, um, the instructor made you feel like a person before, before, before a student. And what I mean by that is there's a way to start a class that's very, um, 
logistically minded. We have a syllabus to go over. Here's all about me as a professor uh, and kind of centering the focus on the professor and the content, which is your standard way of doing it so that they feel informed. But the ones that I remember that made me feel settled and more and less nervous about a class were the ones where the focus was on the student and making the environment as comfortable and natural as possible. And ways in which folks had done that would be taking the syllabus and setting it aside for a minute, Um, really sitting down with students or building a lesson plan around how can we get to know each other as people, recognize the kind of the time and place that we're at. I'm thinking particularly the times where maybe I was a first-year student or I was new to an institution and feeling really uneasy about my place. The most memorable ones were folks really took the time and the effort to make me feel more settled, more grounded and seen rather than like, here's what we got to learn. Here's me as a professor. Let's go. So what does it take to be a great teacher from the start? Years of experience? Technical know-how? Not really. According to Dr. Melanie Harris, who began her teaching career at an under-resourced school with significant teacher turnover, it simply takes determination. Determination to come back for another day and to keep trying, especially when faced with a challenging first day. I worked in a school that I was the third teacher that was hired. And uh, I went, you know, I'm fresh out of college and ready to go to teach school. And um, the kids were coming in and sitting down and they're like, so are you going to stay? And I said, you know what? We'll see. I'll, I'll meet you at graduation. We'll see which one of us makes it. And they were like, okay. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, there were fights in my room and there were all kinds of things that happened. But, um, and a lot of times I think I probably could have gotten hurt if I had not had some humor. But um, I loved it and I lasted at that school for 21 years. So where to begin? Dr. Harris, currently faculty at the P.K. Young Developmental Research School, suggests that the most important work is the time invested before the semester even begins. So as a teacher, I think there nothing can um, be better than the work that you do by yourself, planning and, and thinking. Um, we're real blessed here at P.K. to do teacher inquiry, and I think that that has caused me to question what I do, question my practice, which I didn't do until I came to PK. But it's a wonderful opportunity to look at the work that you do day to day and analyze your effort. Decide if what you did and what you said and how you delivered the lesson for the day was that effective. And so then I think the preparation for getting, I mean, there's details for getting the room ready and and making sure your students are comfortable in the room. So you really have to look at how the children are going to sit and and how they're going to receive the information. But I think probably the most important work that a teacher can do is actually before they ever get to school. I think that they have to look at their curriculum and decide how they're going to lay it out and the pacing that they're going to take to get through it and and what's going to be the most effective way to teach that material. Dr. Hector Perez, professor in the Institute of Food and Agriculture, makes a point of sharing about himself, making it personal, creating connections with his students. He considers it essential to creating a warm classroom environment. So depending on the size of the class, if it's a small class, we'll go around and do introductions and share a little bit about ourselves. 
Uh, I used to, <laughs> for one class, I would, uh, you know, give them kind of my, my life story, my background, and, and show pictures of stuff that I do outside of work to let them know that I'm human and, uh, you know, that I'm not some kind of teaching robot and this is all that I do. I also do uh, a, a questionnaire where I try to get just basic background information, class standing, what other courses they're taking, what are some of the things they'd like to do outside of class. And then I'll pull from that information from that from each student and anonymously post it uh, the next day in class and say, here are the people that you have in class. Here's what they like. Here's what they, what they like to do. So it, it lets them also see that there's, there may be students with similar interests. And um, I think that's really helped out to make and foster those connections. Dr. Hector Perez brings students together by sharing his love of music. One of the things that I notice, and this, this is consistent, is that it seems like students are sometimes hesitant to approach their instructors. They think that they might be interfering with their day or they might be intimidated for some reason. But if you can share with them, you know, that your human side, it, I think it, it lets them know that, you know, if you're upfront with them, it lets them know that you're honest, you're there for them, you're willing to help out. And I think that goes a long way because not every student is going to come see you but for those that might have questions, it might ease that fear a little bit. Uh, it might enhance some of the connections that you make with other students. I've had, you know, I'll, what I'll do before class starts, I'll have music playing um, on Pandora or one of those other streaming services. And it's interesting. I, I don't expect all students of this generation to know who Van Halen was or who, you know, you know, some of these other bands, but some of them do and they appreciate that music and they like it and they start saying, oh, okay, so, so he likes music. He likes some of the same music I like. And I had one student in, in a year-end evaluation compliment me on my music choices. So, <laughs> Dr. Kim Moore, also professor in the Institute of Food and Agriculture, opens the door to conversations about topics like pets as she considers it a valuable community-building tool. Um, I asked the students to do a discussion post to introduce themselves. And one year, I don't know how we got onto the topic of pets, but every single post was a different picture of pets from the students around the state. So I got pictures of horses, cats, lizards, dogs. And it was really fun to see all these different animals and all these different pets because I started off with, I have a German shepherd. And then it's like, oh, I love shepherds. And it kind of escalated from that and kind of set this really fun community for the whole semester. It is just as important for the students to feel known as individuals. Albi Hannes suggests that providing an opportunity for students to feel valued and seen in a class by their instructor, by each other, can dramatically impact a student's learning and their overall experience at the University of Florida. We hand them a syllabus that has lots of rules, right? Like no cheating here's all the assignments we want you to do, here's what you have to read, and we kind of say, this is, this is what you have to do. So to get a little buy-in and um, make students feel like they can have ownership of the classroom, like walk them through a process of shared ground rules around how you want to participate, how you want the professor to show up as a human in the classroom, how do you, how do you minimize power dynamics? Um, really helps the students feel like they can participate in a way that they can show up as more of a human rather than just like an empty vessel that's getting 
content dropped into them. And when students feel good and safe and seen in the classroom, they're going to show up better as students and then seek that out in other places on campus. It can only be like a rippling effect. Like, I, I got this good experience. We hear this from students that have really good classroom experiences in certain parts on campus and they go to another classroom and they don't they don't thrive as much or they don't be, they don't they're not seen as much and so they care less or they don't they don't feel like they're doing they're they're trying to get an A just to get an A rather than like actually participating in the learning process. So I think there's let, let's think about productivity and learning like more broadly and even if you know you have a a, a instructor that has not really thought about it, giving 10% or 15% more effort and attention to strategies around it, I think would make a world of difference. You don't necessarily have to go from like not doing or not paying attention to a hundred percent. That's like a giant leap, but like each semester, how do you build in pieces and strategies that kind of address this issue um, and address the classroom environment more and more and more. And then students capacity to take on more learning and more content is going to be bigger because they're open. They're not as, they're not coming in with their walls up. Another way of making sure that students come ready to learn is by taking the time to get to know their names. Melanie Harris believes that knowing a student's name is essential to making students feel welcome, valued, and seen. Um, I think everyone, no matter what you teach, you need to know your children's names. And I don't care whether they're 25 or they're 5. It doesn't matter how old they are. The, pers- the adult in the room needs to know every child's name. And so I think the, any kind of game that will help them learn each other's names is very helpful for them. Now, once again, I'm building a group that has to sing together. So not only is it important for me to... Melanie allows each student to select an adjective that describes them and begins with the same letter as their first name. So, for example, Scott might be Super Scott, and then Scott has to have emotion. So he's like super like Superman. Um, So different things like that that help them show me who they are that has nothing to do with music. But it helped me. I I taught Super Scott in the sixth grade, and now he's going into the tenth grade. And I probably will always remember Super Scott because (laughs) he was a really cool kid, and he still is a really cool kid. Dr. Jillian Lord works to create a first-day experience that moves away from the norm, the expected syllabus day. Instead, she engages her students in an authentic experience from day one. I've tried over the last few years to get away from this expectation, mine and theirs, that you walk in, you do the syllabus, and you leave, and that's your first day. Um, So sometimes I don't even go over the syllabus the first day. I mean, it's online, it's available, but... um, I want them more engaged early on. It depends a lot on the level. Um, like in graduate classes, it's hard because everyone knows everyone already and there's nothing, you know, I, my undergraduate classes, for example, the one I'm teaching this fall, I have one of those signature hunts, find someone who, which we do in lower language all the time and it feels really childish, but it's related to the content of the course. Um, And they'll kind of grumble at the beginning. But then by the end, they'll actually, you know, one of the questions on there is, you know, if you know me from something else or if you know somebody else in this class already, um, in Spanish, obviously. So it gets them in the language. It gets them thinking about the content. But it feels more like we're in it together. I've also started doing, um, when I do the syllabus, you know, go over all of it, 
I will do it like a scavenger hunt kind of thing. They have a worksheet they have to do in groups. You know, how many exams are there? Well, I don't usually give exams, but things like that. Like, how many absences are allowed? Or what happens if you don't show up this day? Or, um, And at least then they're kind of engaged as well, instead of me just talking at them forever. Dr. Melissa Johnson takes this a step further and sends her students on a collective scavenger hunt in the community. Last summer, I taught a civic engagement course for incoming freshmen because we have about 140 or so incoming freshmen who start over the summer, over the six-week summer term. And so I taught about 30 of them in this civic engagement class. Um, It was basically an introduction to Gainesville. And we only had six weeks for the class. So the very first class, we did the standard getting to know you. Here's what this class is going to be about. Um, And one of their big assignments for the semester was going to be this adventure quest where they would have to go around town and experience different aspects of Gainesville and then map it on a shared class map. So in order to get them ready for that, about halfway through the first class, I said, okay, everyone, here's the bus schedule. Your job now for the rest of class is to get downtown and back using the bus and take a picture of yourself on the bus, take a picture of yourself downtown, and there you go. <laughs> so, and none of these folks are from Gainesville. Um, so I just threw them off the deep end <laughs> on the very first day. Um, and they loved it. It was a shared experience of what? <laughs> what is going on? How do I ride the bus? What does this mean? Where do I even go to get on a bus? I don't know what downtown is. Um, and they went together, and so it gave them a chance to get to know each other. It showed them that the bus is not scary, because we did it all within the class period, so it's not like we were making them late for another class or impacting the rest of the day. Um, and the cool part of it was, after that, Every week I would have students talk about, oh yeah, I took this bus. Or I got it. remember when we took the bus downtown, we got off at that spot? That's the one you do to go on this, you know, part of the project. So they were using it after that, but it wasn't scary after that point. I know at least one student from that class became one of our ambassadors who meets with prospective students on our weekly tours, and I have heard from many folks that that ambassador continues to talk about the time on the first day of class, Dr. Johnson made her get on a bus (laughs) and go downtown and come back. So it still stands out in their minds. That's really funny. That's actually really (laughs) incredible. I wish I I could make them do it. (laughs) I know. We're all thinking, these are the experts. It just comes naturally to them. How would I even start? But the truth is, it starts very simply. Some of the most effective strategies are just like really simple ones. They're just really, don't overthink it, show up like a human, and reduce the amount of barriers that folks in the classroom have to you as a professor, but the the barriers that they have to each other. I can't promise that your first week will go off without a hitch, that everything will go smoothly that there won't be any bumps in the road. As a matter of fact, it is far more likely that there will be several bumps in the road. Hector Perez found this out the hard way. I'm the type of guy that likes to have everything planned out ahead of time and ready to go. And I remember uh, having everything ready to go. All the, the activities were planned out. All the specimens that I needed were ready to go. I had them on a cart, and I was wheeling the cart over to the classroom and the wheel caught on something in the pavement, dumped everything over, 
So I had to, I only had about 15 minutes to get to class. So I have like everything that I needed was just like scattered all over the floor. So I had to hurry up and pick that all up. Try to wheel to the classroom. The classroom was locked. Nothing was ready to go in the classroom. The students were waiting outside. So I open the doors, run in there, get everything ready to go. And I, th I think the students must have thought I was a mad professor because I felt like my hair was out here. I felt like I was slipping on banana peels <laughs> trying to get everything ready to go. Uh, but once once I was able to calm down, uh, we, we started with introductions and everything kind of went smoothly from there. So that was kind of a, a shocking first uh, foray into the classroom. But it really... It was neat because it really taught me that as long as you are ahead of, of the students by about five minutes, then you're okay, and they don't need to know that. But you know, it's if you, <laughs> you know, as long as you have some plan in place, even if things just totally go off the rails, you can still recover and have a, a good productive classroom session. So, yeah, that was that's the first memory that comes to mind is that tragic experience. But we we had fun with it. We we turned it into something fun, and yeah, it turned out to be a, a good day. Just remember that a little fun goes a long way. Thank you for listening to the very first episode of the Beyond the Podium podcast series. For more tips, tools, strategies, and resources on teaching at the University of Florida, or to find out more about future episodes, visit the teach.ufl.edu page. <laughs>